Anybody like playing board games? So you dig the board games? So a few of you do, right? I like to play board games. Primarily, I think I like it because I'm such a relational guy. I like to be around with people. I like to hang out, and that's, that's a really cool hangout time. Uh, some of the best board games are the ones that have lessons that go along with them, life lessons, like you learn different things that, that go along with the, uh, the board games, like Monopoly, right? In the, in the 12 hours or 14 hours that it takes to play Monopoly, you learn, <laughs> you learn how to uh, invest, and you learn, you know, if you buy a particular piece of property and invest in that, then you, then you can see a reward that happens with that. A game when I was in my early 20s that, that either came out or I came into awareness of was Trivial Pursuit, and that also took 12 or 14 hours, and uh, some of the information that you learned in Trivial Pursuit was actually helpful. You learned some history, or you learned some statistics, or some fact and uh, you, could, you could learn some things through that. Some of it was, as the name says, was trivial. Didn't mean a whole lot. But, uh, but you did learn some things. There was a game that I, I learned growing up that I really liked. It was called Life. Anybody ever play the game of Life? So if you think back to that, you can actually hear the little dial going, <laughs> you know, as it's clicking around. And, uh, you know, it actually had a good life lesson, too. It had a lesson about life in that... Uh, Sometimes things don't always turn out the way you hope. Sometimes in life, things don't always happen the way that you want them to happen, and there, but there's still more to go. There's still more game to play, and there's still, there's still some moving on, and I think there's a good life lesson in that. But I think there was a, a lesson that you might learn or a person might learn in the game of life that might not actually be very helpful or very true, and that's the fact that, that how you moved across the board was based on the turn of a wheel, or the roll of a dice, and so it, it could actually feel like, you know, life is just sort of by chance. Like you're just throwing the dice out there, and whatever number you hit, that's just that's just how your luck is. Or you spin the wheel, and whatever, and however that wheel turns out, that just sort of is how you know your life is going to turn out. And man, doesn't it sometimes feel that way? I th- I believe, especially the older you get. And the more experiences that that get piled up in your life, and and especially the more disappointing experiences that happen in your life, you you can get to this point where you go, you know, I just don't know. It just feels like I'm just kind of throwing the dice. It just feels like, you know, I've done the right thing so many times, and I've tried to make the right choice so many times that, that it hasn't worked out. So, you know what, maybe this life is just sort of a roll of the dice, a spin of the wheel, and... And you're just sort of dependent on luck. Sometimes we can get in those places in life. Sometimes we can get in those spots. And maybe you're in that spot this morning where you would just say, you know, Matt, I've really tried to do the right thing. I've made good decisions, what I felt like were good decisions. And, and they just didn't turn out very well. So, so what the heck? What the heck? We get in those places. And that's exactly one of the reasons why we need our Bibles. We need to know God's Word. We need to look at God's Word so it can teach us the truth, and the truth is, is that life isn't by chance. It's by choice. It's by choice. And we're going to look at that this morning. Real quickly, I just want to kind of catch you up. Um, you saw the pictures of my everywhere. Um, this may be the very first time that you saw it or are hearing that. That's kind of a, an unusual phrase or label, my everywhere. What the heck does that mean? That's a vision, and it's been so fun to watch, but that's a, uh, a vision for our church that started just as a, a conversation between me and God. 
it was really just a conversation between God and I. And, and, and I just said, you know, God, here's my heart. Who do you say this church is? Who, do you, who are you saying this church is? And, and who do you want us to be? And, and uh, that's how the, the whole genesis of, of my everywhere got started. And it really became just this prayer for me and, and God inspiring dreams in me and taking me to Scripture. And, and so we came out with um, the, the vision of this church is to be a people who follow Jesus everywhere. People who follow Jesus everywhere. And that's internal as well as external. In the moments where nobody sees what's happening in my life, in those moments where there's nobody around, I want to follow Jesus there. I want to follow Jesus when lots of people are watching. I want to follow Jesus in my workplace, at the grocery store, at the library. And all of those places are your everywhere. Everyone has an everywhere. Everyone has an everywhere. And then we, you know, scripturally speaking, um, Luke chapter 9 verse 6 says um, that the disciples went out proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing the sick everywhere. And so that's, that's us. That's the, the verse behind the vision. That's our heart behind that. And so we'd love for you to participate. We've gotten uh, pictures as far away as Phoenix. Um, we're looking for some pictures. Yeah, we're looking for some pictures from uh, Mozambique. You know, anywhere you are, that's your everywhere. Anywhere you are, that's your everywhere. So just uh, why not have a little fun with it? Take a selfie in there. If you don't know what a selfie is, ask someone under 30. Um, ask them what a selfie is. To, you know, how do you do that? And then send it to us, info at vineyardrottle.org, and we'll put it on one of the screens. Um, and uh, it, it just builds momentum. It just builds momentum. But this whole sermon series, this whole thing uh, that I've been talking about with my everywhere has been to break down those two commands, assignments, the two things that Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Any disciple, this is what I want you to do. In your everywhere. So it's fine to say, well, I have an everywhere, but what are you supposed to do there? Right? What are you supposed to do? Two things, proclaim the good news, right, and heal the sick. So we're just systematically sort of taking that apart, deconstructing, if you will, in order to equip us to be ready for our everywhere. So we talked about what's the good news of the kingdom? What is the good news? Is it good news for everybody? Or is it only good news for affluent white people? Is, uh, what's the good news? What, what is that? <laughs> what is that? You know, what is it? If it's not good news for everybody, guess what? It's not good news. So we're just taking this apart. And what I said, what I've been talking through is, is you could really, and this really is an oversimplification, but for communication, we're going to go there. You could really say there's three headings of what the good news is. They can, the good news would fall in one of three headings. And we've just sort of taken that apart each week over the last two weeks, and then including this week will be the third. And we started with hope. The good news, the message of the good news of the kingdom of God is a message of hope. So when you go to your everywhere, be a person of hope. The truth is everyone needs hope. Everyone needs hope. And you can be that deliverer of that message. Just even by being kind to somebody is, is a powerful way of communication. The second heading, I would say, is purpose. Every single person has a purpose. Every single person has a purpose. That means you have a purpose, and everyone in your everywhere has a purpose also. So you get to get in there, and I mean that intentionally. You get to get in there 
live out your purpose, and then invite other people to get into it as well. Their purpose. All these messages are on the website, so go listen to them, and, and that'll kind of catch you up. This week, the third heading that we'll talk about is the good news of the kingdom of God is a message of life. It's a message of life and a fullness of life that Jesus promises through his scripture. So let's pray real quick as we move into the message time. Father, I am so grateful for every person here, for every life represented right now. And I pray, Lord, that as I speak, you'd put power on this message. If we turn to your word, you would soften our hearts to receive what you have to say. I pray even uh, as far, God, to say, allow me to say things that I hadn't planned on because those things might be purposeful for someone here this morning. Thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, uh, John chapter 10, John chapter 10 is where we're going to jump into, sort of launch into this morning. Um, Just to kind of catch us up, because we're going to join in verse 7. We're going to pick up the scripture in verse 7, but uh, just to kind of catch us up contextually where we're at, Jesus is telling a story about, and, he, and Jesus, listen, he's the best communicator that's ever lived. Jesus is the best communicator that's ever lived. And he is so masterful that he's able to take modern examples, modern illustrations, and then use them to teach truths about the Bible. Not about the Bible, because there wasn't a Bible then. <laughs> use them to teach truths about the kingdom. All right? So he's teaching truths about who God is and the message of the kingdom of God based on just really everyday examples. And this is one of those, those examples. He's using the illustration of sheep. And he's, he's talking about sheep being like people. Now that, that illustration is a little lost on us because none of us in here are shepherds, right? Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're related to a shepherd, as, as someone is. Um, but we don't, we, don't, we don't have sheep every day. We don't see sheep every day, and we, and we don't think in terms of shepherds and sheep. But those original hearers of this message, they would have been able to recall that right away. And Jesus talks about his followers being like sheep and, and talking about the characteristics of sheep in that they listen to the shepherd because they know that the shepherd is, is good for them. They know that what the shepherd wants is good for them. And so they learned to listen to his voice. They learned to listen to what he's saying and, and following that because they know that it's good for them. But Jesus says there's also another voice that, that whispers to the sheep. There's also another voice that comes and tries to give direction to the sheep. And he describes that person as a, a thief. And he says, you know, my sheep know my voice, and they don't pay any attention to the thief. And so he gives this whole description about sheep and shepherd. And then he, then he makes it very personal and very applicable, and he says this in uh, verse 7. Very truly I tell you, I... Oh, I better go back. Sorry about that. I got excited. I am the gate for the sheep. I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Anytime Scripture repeats itself in, in one contextual setting, it's important. It's important. There's trying to communicate something here. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved, Jesus says. 
They will come in and, and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And another translation may say, I have come that you may have an abundant life. I have come that you may live life in abundance. That you may live and enjoy life, which is what the uh, Amplified Bible says. So there's lots of different translations, and we'll, we'll talk about the significance of, of what that actually means. But just sort of breaking this down uh, really quickly. On your outline there, the first blank is, Jesus promises a way that leads to life. Jesus promises a way that leads to life. Remember, what, the, what we're talking about here is equipping you, preparing you to go into your everywhere, to be the carrier of this message. So we're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're hearing it, we're applying it to ourselves, and then we're learning how to then give it away to others. Jesus promises a way that leads to life. He says, now very personally, he's, he's using a, a, a different illustration um, of the sheep going in and out of a gate, but Jesus says, I'm that gate. I am that gate. Now that particular phrase is important because it goes, it takes his hearers all the way back to a time when God, in giving a, a description of himself to Moses, said, uh, you go back to Pharaoh and you tell him, I am sent you. I am what? I am. Whatever you need, wherever you are, I am enough. And every time Jesus says those words, that's what he's referring back to. And it made the people that heard this message crazy. They got so angry because they knew what he was saying. They knew that he was saying, I am like God. I am related to him. I am his son. I am his beloved. That's what he's saying. And it, it made them so mad. It made them so mad. And so the, some of the hearers of this message are already put off because Jesus says, I am the gate. I'm the way. I'm the way. And as you go through me by making a commitment of your life to me, as you come to me, you're going to go in and come out and you're going to find this pasture. Now, what is that? A green pasture, lush green pasture. Man, if you're a sheep, there ain't nothing better than that. <laughs> if you're a sheep, that's the best. Like, he's promising provision, and it's not just scraps. It's not just meager little, you know, whatever you can sort of scrounge up. He's saying, look, if you'll come through me, you're going to go into a pasture that's going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful, and that speaks of the provision that happens in the life of the follower of Jesus. Man, I feel like preaching. Because you guys got to get this. We all got to get this. That, that he's promising, not just this scraping by, but he's saying, in my provision, when you give your life to me, man, there is an abundance. There is a pasture. You're going to go out. You're going to come in. He's speaking of the provision of God. And as he uses himself as the illustration of being a shepherd, shepherds, and they really did carry the stick, the crook. You know, it had the end on it, on the one end. And that was to direct the sheep, and it was to guide the sheep. And they would, you know, 
tap on the sheep to get them to go down to a particular way. That has all sorts of um, meaning for us that we can't delve into this morning. But the other side of the stick was to beat the heck out of anything that got near the sheep. So that's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. As you commit your life to me, as you come through the gate, I'm the gate, you're going to find this abundance of provision, and I got a big stick. That's really cool. I don't know, I'm just amused by that, because I just think, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So Jesus is promising, listen, there's provision and there's protection in the kingdom. In the kingdom. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And that's essential. That is, that is foundational to the life that Jesus is inviting us into. That he's inviting us into. Now, throughout Scripture, there are really two different types of promises that God gives. There are really two different types of. Some of them are, are promises of partnership or cooperation. Some of them are just promises on his end without any response needed or required. Let me break it down. So the promises that don't, re- that don't require any response by us are the, are the promises of His love. Like God will love you no matter what you do. Whether or not you, you know, spit at Him, whether or not you, you're just, you just live whatever, you, know, you do whatever, God will love you. He will. He will always be there for you. He will ultimately take care of you. He will provide a way out. I mean, that's the whole business of grace, right? Even though we don't deserve it, He's good. Somebody should say amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Because we're preaching now. So, that's what grace is. Grace is even though you don't deserve it, it, there it is. But there are promises that are promises of cooperation or, like I say, participation. And this is one of those. I promise that you will have a new life. I promise that you will have provision and you will have protection as you choose to come through me. As you choose to come through me. See, this is a promise of partnership. This is a promise of partnership. It's a promise of cooperation. Um, that's really important. It's really important because like I mentioned on the outset, life is not just a series of chances, but about choices. Life is not about chance, but about choices. And so we want to say yes, we want to choose Jesus, and then we want to help others do that as well as we go into our everywhere. And what about this life? I've already sort of elaborated a little bit in, in in the green pasture idea. But this word used for life, the, the Greek word that's used, it's translated into our language, life, is the word zoe. Perhaps you've heard that before. Maybe you know someone named zoe. That, that became a really popular name at some point. Um, that word zoe, if you looked at the definition, is eternal life. But here's what I would say. If you break it down even further than that, it's not about length of life as we might think about eternity. It's about quality of life. It's about quality of life. That's really good. So Jesus is promising, I will give you a quality of life. And of course, as we teach and believe here, eternal life starts the moment you give your life to Christ. 
So that's right here on earth. That eternal, that quality of life is available to me right now. That's good news. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So that's the kind of life that Jesus is offering to us and promises to us as we participate with him through our choice. But then he reflects and he says, but there's another voice that you might hear. There's another voice that you're going to hear as well. It's just a guarantee you're going to hear this other voice. Um, Second blank there in your outline. The enemy offers a counterfeit life. The enemy offers a counterfeit life. The thief, speaking of the enemy, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. One of the billion things that I love about Jesus is, that may be an exaggeration, there are a lot of things, but one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he doesn't pull any punches. Like, I don't know, how many, how many of you um, like just to be told the truth, like just right, right first thing? Like, you, no, don't beat around the bush, just, just give it to me, right? Don't give it, I'm a bush beater. I'm one of those people. Like, I, 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 you know, I want to kind of sort of soften it a little bit, so I'll sort of dance around it a little bit. It's probably largely in part of my brokenness to be uh, my people-pleasing brokenness. Like, I want people to like me, and so I'm just sort of softening the truth. Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, he loves people. And he certainly wants relationship with people, but he just says, here's how it is. I'm offering you life, but there's another voice that you're going to hear that's going to offer you something that looks like the life that I have for you, but it's not. And in the end of that choice, it's going to end in isolation and destruction and death. That's the way that it's going to end. And he puts that message, he puts that, that part of that in there just to, to give us the full truth. But his whole message is about life, folks. His whole message is about life. And here's where I think the church has bungled it up for the past few decades. Here's where I've, I think the church has bungled the message for the last few decades. In that we've done a really good job of communicating the gospel in terms of death, not life. In another month, you're going to see advertisements. If you listen to the radio, the the Christian radio, you're going to hear advertisements about things called hell houses or stuff like that. I don't even know that. I don't even know the name of it. It's just that's just sort of what it is. And it's this this whole thing. If you go in and you get the hell scared out of you, and then you want to find the alternative to that, and so you give your life to Jesus. While I believe that that is well-intentioned, I believe that the heart is right, I think that communicates something different than what we, what we want to. Like, if you left here today and you got hit by a bus, what would happen? I don't know! I don't want to know! Like, I don't, that's just, just to me, it's just such a terrible way to communicate the gospel. What happens if you leave this building and you lived for the first time? I want to sign up for that. I want to sign up for that. How about if we leave here and we live? Doesn't that sound so much better than leaving here and getting hit by a bus? I mean, oh, that's so morbid. That's so morbid. What happened, Matt, if you walked out of here and you fell down the steps and hit your head on the concrete and never woke up? I don't know. 
But I don't like to think about that. Don't make me think about that. How about if we just said, what happened if you just left here and you lived? And you had a really good day. That'd be awesome. I'd take that. I would take that. That's the way that Jesus communicates this thing. It's life. It's life. It's life. But there is this, this, this side that he's got to communicate with us to, to be honest, to be, to be fully forthcoming. He's got, he's got to tell us, listen, you're, you're going to hear another voice. And it's going to sound, the message will sound similar to what I'm trying to tell you. But I'm the only way you can find life. I'm the only way that you're going to be able to live this life. Now, it'll look different. It'll look different, but through me, you will find life. The enemy offers a counterfeit. That's one thing you can know about the enemy, is he always, always, always tries to counterfeit the goodness of God's kingdom. He always tries to counterfeit it. And what I mean by that is he makes it look exactly like what the kingdom looks like, or the message, the good news of the kingdom looks like, but it's just slightly enough different that it's worthless. A few years ago when they changed the money, heck, I don't even know when it was, but when they changed the, the look of the money, I can remember, you know, when you'd get a, a, a 20 or a 10 or a 5, and it looked so different, you had to look at it and go, this isn't right. This is kind of funky. Do you remember that? Am I, I'm not crazy, right? So you remember that. You, you, they just, the, the, the bills that were being printed out looked so different. Now, because I have teenagers, I don't see very many 20s, but um, I do know that they look a little bit different, and that's what counterfeit is. It's, it's the thing that looks so close to the original, but is just different enough that it becomes worthless. And then I had somebody after first service come and give me a $2 bill. They were like, here, I just happen to have a $2 bill. You want this? And I said, do I have to pay you back? And they were like, no. So, okay. So, you don't see very many $2 bills. If you get a $3 bill, it's not actually worth $3, right? Somebody gives you a $3 bill, give them back a buffalo nickel or a wooden nickel or whatever those things are. But a $2 bill, you look at that and you go, wow, that just looks weird. That looks just weird. Huh? Who's, who's on does anybody know who's on the $2 bill? Who said that? Yeah. No, it's Jefferson. It's Jefferson. Yeah. It's Frederick, Frederick Jefferson. Um, anyway, it looks strange. It looks strange, but you look at it and you go, that's not right. That's not right, but it is. And the enemy offers a counterfeit to the life that Jesus offers. He offers a counterfeit. And it might sound like, you know, if you get that job that you're really hoping for, your life's going to be okay. You're going to have plenty of money. You're going to be able to go where you want, do what you want, drive what you want. Man, that's going to be a really, really good life, isn't it? Yeah, but here's what he doesn't tell you. In pursuit of that job that you really, really, really want, you're going to become a workaholic. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your house. And you're going to be able to see your kids once or twice a year. Life doesn't quite look the same. That's a possibility. That's a poss I'm not saying that's a certainty. I'm just saying it's a possibility. 
But that's not what the enemy tells you. If you do this, you're going to find satisfaction. You're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find peace. But he doesn't tell you that it'll only be for a moment, and then when you wake up, your head's going to hurt really bad. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. We've got to be on alert. We've got to be watching. One of the, it's one of the reasons why we need community so badly. We need other followers of Jesus in our life so badly because they help us distinguish the counterfeit from the real. You know, sometimes you still go into a store, the, the clerk will hold up or the cashier will hold up the bill to the light. They're looking for the imperfection that tells them because they've been trained about what, you know, what to look for in a counterfeit. Or they'll mark it with a highlighter. I don't know what that means, but somehow they've had training that teaches them you know, how to distinguish what a counterfeit bill is. That's what Christian community is partly about. Hey, I need somebody in my life to tell me that you know, this isn't from God. This isn't a good idea. This isn't the life that he has to live for me. I need people in my life. And so do you, to help us learn what's actually a counterfeit. And with this life that God has given us, this opportunity of life that, that God gives us through Jesus, there's a way that we live in order to experience this life. The Bible talks about life being a gift, and it really is. And it talks about the things that we have being gifts, and the resources that we have at our disposal, the things that we have, are gifts. And it's very clear that when, um, in Deuteronomy, it says that whenever you experience these gifts, or whenever you have wealth in your life, be careful, because you're going to look at that and think that by your own good, and your own wisdom, and your own knowledge, that you are able to make that on your own. When in actuality, you and I are not owners of this life. We are, as the Bible calls it, stewards or managers of this life. And it would make sense that we're if a manager, that we, if we are a manager of this life, that it's actually not our own but a gift from God, that we would ask the owner how he would want us to spend it. It's the same way when it comes to finances. Like, what I have in my life, I know that it's God's provision. I know that it's his, his provision to me. And so as I grow and mature in my faith, I learn to ask God, okay, if this is yours and you've loaned it to me or you, you've allowed me to use it and to live with it, how do you want me to spend it? How do you want me to spend it? Last blank on your outline, to experience the fullness of this life that Jesus offers, we learn to give it away. We learn to give it away. Now at that point, those of you who are intellectually honest this morning go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And I would say to you, you're right. You're right. It doesn't make sense. But it's kingdom economics. It's kingdom truth. We, we say it like this. These are the upside-down. This is one of the upside-down truths of the kingdom of God. Upside-down meaning that it doesn't make sense to my cultural mind. What do you mean? God's given me life. The way that I should experience the fullness of that life is to live it up, right? No. The way to experience the fullness of that life is to learn to give it away. 
There's another upside-down truth of the kingdom that says the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. It's kingdom economics. It's the way that the kingdom works. So in order for me to experience the fullness of life that Jesus is offering, I want to learn to give it away. And being a giver and being generous, guys, it is so good for you. It is so good for you. It is so good for me to be generous. I want to tell you that without exception, a selfish person is a miserable person. Don't elbow your spouse. A selfish person is a miserable person. A selfish person says, more, how can I have more? How can I have more? And you see, that's the opposite of the character of God that we see through the life of Jesus, that He is giving, that He is giving, that He is giving. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave everything that He had in His Son to be crucified on a cross. It's the character, it's the very nature, it's the, it's the foundational nature of God to give and to be generous. And that is with our life and the life that we live and giving away to others, it's also in our finances. Learning to be generous in our finances helps us experience the fullness of joy that Jesus has in this life. Otherwise, we're just taking it in and we end up becoming spiritual hoarders. And then you get on the TV, and that's never good. So how do you learn to be generous? Generosity is one of those things that I think can be a, a particular stumbling block for people. Generosity is one of those difficult things to talk about because we, we always think, or we have the enemy speaking, whispering into our ears, saying, you can't be generous, you got nothing. You can't be generous, you're, you're, you're barely making it. Here's where, again, we need truth. Generosity is not about an amount. It's about proportion. Can I say that again? Generosity is not about an amount. It's about proportion. Jesus told the story of the widow that gave the two mites. It was just the very two little bits of change, a currency that she had, but it was just as valuable as the person that gave ten or a hundred times that much because it's what she had. It's what she had. So generosity becomes the stumbling block. I want to help us overcome that. The leadership of the church wants to help us overcome that. And that's where we came up with this 10 in 10 challenge. With my accent, I have to say it slow because it sounds weird if I say it fast. 10 in 10. So here's what it is. Next month is the 10th month in our calendar. October is the 10th month. What we're asking you to pray about and in fact challenging you to do is to, in that month, give in some increment of 10 here at Vineyard Church. In some increment of 10. Whether that's $10 a week, 10 for the month, 10% of your income, 10% of the income for the week. These are all starting places. If you're already giving, thank you for that, first of all. But what about increasing that by $10 a month or 
over the course of the month. Ten in ten. I'd like you to go this week and pray about that. And if you have a spouse, pray about that separately and then together. About how you can participate in the ten in ten challenge. And then next week, as uh, next week is October 2nd, we'll then come together and we'll celebrate. You'll have an opportunity to put it on your Connect card. We're going to have people in the lobby with laptops that are going to set up online giving. So if, that, if that's a hindrance... Um, we want to make every opportunity available for us to be generous. Jesus knows that generosity, there's a joy in generosity that can't be found anywhere else. It's actually a lot of fun to be generous. It's actually a lot of fun to be generous. And it leads to that fullness of life. Because as He's giving us life, if we, if we just allow it to stop, in us and to pool in us, ultimately that dries up. And then we got to go back to Jesus and we say, We're not feeling, the, we're not experiencing this abundant life that you promised. And I will say to you, I will tell you, one of the things that he will say in the course of that conversation would be, Are you giving it away? How are you using it? Our life is a resource for us to enjoy and to allow others to enjoy.